I cannot believe we're in 21 already, January into February. Darren, last year, yes. what a year it was. It certainly was, yes, for many people, for many different reasons. But anyway, 2020 is behind us. We are now in 2021, and this is our first show of the year. Yippee. And, you Absolutely know, yippee, yes. And reflecting on what happened in, uh, in 2020 and this whole lockdown and pandemic thing, um, we thought it really apt to contact someone local. So we've got mm-hmm. Tess from the Sea Change Trust joining us a little bit later, and she's going to be talking about mental health for families, mm-hmm. people, uh, children in particular, what to look out for when children are becoming stressed um, and also what you can do. So, you know, um, really positive um, uh, things to look out for and things that you can do if people are struggling out there. Yep, exactly. And uh, she's also got um, yeah, links to other um, helpful uh, organisations within Shropshire. And as well as her, we are talking to Richard from the RT. FQ uh, about funding, uh, funding right, for businesses. Yeah. Um, that there is a lot of funding out there, um, as well as the uh, the special, uh, you know, COVID related uh, funding from the government. There are other um, uh, funds available, uh, business finance for uh, new businesses, particularly. So perhaps if you are a business that is struggling i'm sure there are sadly many businesses are struggling but perhaps businesses that are thinking of, of going in a different uh, direction yes that there is funding available that perhaps could help them uh, go a different way so we've had a, a we're going to have a really interesting chat with richard later on in the show wonderful and you know let's kick the show off with a band that's um been in contact with us uh, mainly on the back of our successful uh, show that we did uh, our Christmas show, incredibly successful. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we move further forward. But um, to kick us off, it's Without Warning and Dance Night. Well, you standing there on this perfect night. Mood is static, I feel the time is right. If you come over now, I'll set this place a lot, I swear.
so that was without warning um a local band another local band uh, and if you want to hear more about them you can find them on spotify and talking of local bands well after our christmas show which was so successful we were yes. really really chuffed with that weren't we yeah um we felt that going forward into 2021 that we will involve more local bands and local artists from Shropshire on the show uh, because, as I say, the, the Christmas show of the 12 Bands of Christmas was so successful that we are actually in the top 50% of podcasts globally, aren't we, Wayne? We are ever produced as well, Darren. <laughs> so that's like hundreds of millions. Ever produced, wow. <laughs> ever produced. Um, I don't know when they started producing podcasts. It's a fairly new technology. But um, ever produced. I mean, it's hundreds of millions of episodes. So we're doing incredibly well. Mm. And also mm-hmm. on Facebook alone, it's, it's the main social media outreach uh, process that we use to, to get mm. to Shropshire community and bands and et cetera. Um, but we're, we're reaching um, 40,000 people. I mean, it's I just amazing with our messages. We're um, combined in a four-week period, 40,000, and it's growing. So thank you to all those that are stopping by, having a look, uh, and even commenting and passing our posts on, because it's all contributing to getting the word out there into the community that we wish to serve, and we wish to um, kind of embrace local bands more, of course, so if you're a local band or musician and you'd like to get your tracks aired and in front of an audience of 40,000 and growing, um, do contact us. You can view our Facebook page, of course. Uh, just search for Intune Radio Shropshire. You can view our website, which is intune-radio.co.uk. And we'd love to hear from you if you're a brand or a musician and you produce broadcastable um, tracks. Uh, and also, actually, if you're a DJ, if you're uh, in your bedroom mixing, if you're getting some, uh, some really cool uplifting house together or dance, uh, if you're, you're beat matching, you're scratching, you're doing different things, we'd love to hear from you because we've got big ideas and actually we'd like to put some more music through uh, our outreach strategies through uh, Facebook and LinkedIn where we're, where we're um, connected with a, a whole host of uh, local large and small businesses. So um, please do get in contact. Intune Radio have a host of sponsorship and advertising packages available. Enterprises start from only £50. So if you want to get your business in front of our listeners, then by all means, contact info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website. That's intune-radio.co.uk. Coming up in the show next, we've got Tess Bailey Sayer from the Sea Change Trust. And the Sea Change Trust are a local charity and they deal with mental health um, uh, advice and provide support for young families, children and young people in particular. Um, And she's going to be covering all things mental health, what you can do, what to look out for with your children who are probably homeschooling. You've probably seen your children quite a lot at the moment and are probably starting to recognise some stress uh, because they're not in their normal environments and maybe that you've got several children, they're clashing, maybe you haven't got the, the quality time that you used to have. Um, Tess has got invaluable information, lots of great advice and things to look out for. So next we've got Libby uh, before Tess. Uh, she is going to sing an Adele track, Don't You Remember? Libby was one of the artists that played on our Christmas show, The 12 Bands of Christmas. And so here we go. 
love with no goodbye, not a single word would say. No final kiss to seal any sins, and I had no idea the state we were in. But I know I have a fickle heart. And a bitterness, and a wandering eye, and a heaviness in my head. But don't you remember Hi, welcome Hiya. to Intune Radio Shropshire. Thanks for joining us. You're from the Sea Change Trust. You're a psychotherapist and you've got some wonderful information to impart. Because of last year, lockdown, pandemic, the world has changed and parents, children, people need some advice about well-being and mental health. It's very current because of the surprising stats that we hear um, associated in press. 
So Tess, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Thanks very much for having me, Wayne. It's lovely to be here. And um, I thought I'd just begin by telling you a little bit about how I got into my line of work. So I'm a child and adolescent analytic psychotherapist, which is a bit of a tongue twister. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Long title. Yeah. But I, I started um, actually as a teacher um, mm. and I found that I was really interested in what made children tick more so than necessarily teaching them. So um, I went on from teaching to work in a therapeutic community with um, troubled adolescents and had a supervisor there who was a child psychotherapist. And I got really interested in the idea of um, trying to understand behavior. So you're not just looking at kind of the symptoms of a problem or what people are doing. What you're trying to understand is what's going on under the surface Mm -hmm. and why sometimes all of us do things that um, are out of our control and that we don't really understand, that we don't know why we're responding in some of the ways that we do. So um, from that, I went on to train Mm -hmm. and I trained in Birmingham and was placed in Worcester. Yes. And I don't know how much you know about about children's mental health, really. Um, There are a number of different people you'll have in a multidisciplinary team. Mm -hmm. Um, But as child psychotherapists, we had a six year training And so we're trained to work with some of the most complex and most kind of long-term difficulties that um, children and young people have. Um, We work from the age of 0 to 25. Mm -hmm. And we're we're there to help when people have had, you know, they might have developmental difficulties or they might have traumas that have gone in their lives or difficulties in relationships, all the kinds of things that we're hearing about now, anxiety or depression or eating disorders, all those kinds of things. So I worked in um, Worcester when I was training, and then I worked in East Birmingham before working in Walsall. Mm -hmm. And all that time I was living in Shropshire, and I was aware that there wasn't anybody with my training working in Shropshire, either in the NHS or outside it. Yeah. And I knew, um, you know, what an important part of the team the child psychotherapists were in that, you know, when people had tried short term um, ways of helping um, they or they tried medication and that hadn't worked. Usually they'd come to us and say, you know, what do you think might you be able to help? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought there must be children and young people in Shropshire who could do with the kind of treatment that we can offer. Um, And so I actually dropped a day in my camp work in the child and adolescent mental health team. And um, I started getting referrals. I'd never had to advertise. People kind of found me and asked me to do assessments for children. And families started contacting me themselves to ask for help. So um, this was four years ago now. I formed a company, Sea Change Psychotherapy, and worked with a couple of art therapists and that company grew so that now there's 11 therapists all of whom specialize and work with children and young people and we decided to form the charity um, last February um, we decided that it would be a good idea to be able to offer services to people that would be free at the point of delivery because 
not everybody can afford to pay for their children's treatment. And, you know, in many areas, they would be able to get child and adolescent psychotherapy for free on the NHS, but it's a postcode lottery. Yeah. So um, that's the way it's panned out. So so we formed the charity and we began to work, first of all, in early years. So um, we worked with um, parents and babies um, and then with refugee children and young asylum seekers and when the pandemic struck um, kind of last spring we weren't really sure what we were going to be able to do working online with children whether that would work out at all Mm -hmm. Um, but what we did was we all quickly got ready and trained ourselves in using zoom Mm -hmm. and um, and talked with families and children about what the, how that would work and what that would be like in person before we actually made that jump. Yeah. So it worked out really well, actually. And fortunately, as we know, children and young people are very adaptable. So most of them have got on with it really well. So, so we've been able to um, ask for a grant from the Community um, Lottery Fund which is government money administered through the lottery, mm-hmm. um, to help people who are really struggling with their mental health during COVID. Um, we're focusing on children, teachers, parents, um, and trying to offer something that will help them get through. So it's a short series of meetings, either in person, if when we are able to do that, or online. It's mm-hmm. called Listening Space. Mm-hmm. And we've had some really good take-up. And we've also in the time when we could meet with people face-to-face, we ran groups called Talking Circles in schools for children and teachers mm-hmm. as a way of supporting them with what was going on. Wow. I mean, it's quite a backstory, quite a journey. Well done, you. And, you know, Darren, I mean, just a, a, an amazing service locally that people can um, can tap into. Absolutely, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, apparently... 83% that lockdown had made them feel worse and primary age school children um, had more sort of behavioural emotional issues um, because of their parents feeling, uh, you know, the stress of, of, of um, you know, the whole situation as well. I mean, uh, I should imagine it, it's, as a parent, you, you know, you've got your own worries and, and you know, um, uh, concerns about everything, but but that the children can get sort of, exactly forgotten but that you know this is affecting them as well simply Mm -hmm. because their parents are being stressed about it all so um i think it's a wonderful the fact that you know there there is help out there um you know children have had their own stresses as well because yes yeah i mean it's they spend most of their lives in school Mm. and to have that world taken away Mm -hmm. abruptly without any time to get ready was a real shock to the system. And then when it happened again, you know, this third lockdown, um, I've heard many stories of children, you know, when they went back into school on the Monday, the announcement came about schools closing that evening and parents having to go to their children in the morning and tell them. And children have been crying for hours in their beds, you know, because they're so heartbroken that they can't see their teachers and they can't see their friends Mm -hmm. that are so important for them. 
Yes, mm. absolutely. Yes, uh, a friend of mine, they said that exact, exactly thing happened to their, and their child is a, you know, happy child generally. You know, you wouldn't say that that, that she's got, uh, you know, any sort of um, you know, particular uh, you know, mental health worries or anything like that. But yeah, she was absolutely devastated. And I really made me upset to hear that mm. the first thing she did was burst into tears. Mm. You know, you're so mm. sort of, oh, well, they're going to have to go to school. Aren't they happy? You know, but no, they're not. They're mm. not happy. As you say, you know, school gives children structure, doesn't it? As well as, uh, you know, friendship and learning. I mean, the actual learning side of it is, yes, okay, it's important, but th- there's so much more to going to school than than learning subjects so uh, there really is yeah yeah but there are things that parents can do to help Mm -hmm. yep Intune Radio have a host of sponsorship and advertising packages available. Entry prices start from only £50. So if you want to get your business in front of our listeners, then by all means, contact info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website. That's intune-radio.co.uk. So in thinking about how to help children or young people or even ourselves during this time, I think it's quite helpful to understand that there are a couple of different things going on. Yes. One is that for people who might have existing difficulties anyway in terms of mental health, you know, or challenging things happening in life. So we'd be thinking about, you know, people who are having to have babies in the middle of all of this, people who are ill people who are dying for other reasons or situation where there's conflict or ongoing mental health difficulties, all of the pressures of the pandemic just kind of ramp those up and make them worse. They're more difficult to deal with. So that's something to be aware of. But then there are also the new challenges that lockdown brings to do with, you know, obviously there's illness and there's bereavement to do with the virus, but there's also the isolation and the separation and the uncertainty around everything. Mm -hmm. So for parents in thinking about their children, I think the good news is that children are resilient. Yeah. And they depend on their parents for a sense of security. Mm -hmm. I remember um, being at the Anna Freud Centre where we were hearing about the work they did there for children during the Second World War, Mm -hmm. the children in the nurseries there. And what they were saying was that for the children who had their parents around them, actually they they kind of emerged through that war fairly unscathed they were okay it wasn't traumatic for them because they had that kind of buffer yeah of parents who were saying actually you know this is difficult but this is what we can do to get through this and it's going to be okay yeah so if parents can find a way of keeping fairly calm about things trying to shield the children from some of their own stresses so yes. if, if you're feeling stressed and you need to go and have a rant, try to do it after the children have gone to bed mm-hmm. because children will listen. If they're, if they're in the house and you're on the phone to somebody, you'll have somebody wigging probably at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the trouble is that children will hear bits of information and they'll put two and two together and make 509. Wow, right, okay. They will. They blow things out of proportion. They get Mm. really worried. Mm. So being honest with your children about the facts of the matter is really helpful. 
being straight, just straight and truthful is what they need. And at the same time, not too much information that's kind of grown up territory. Yeah. So not big worries about the future, for example, and sticking mm-hmm. to the here and now and how we're going to get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of looking for signs of stress in your in your child, um, the kind of things you can keep an eye on are how well they're sleeping or not. Mm-hmm. Are they having nightmares or are they, you know, and when things change in their sleep. And the state, similarly with eating, you know, a child who eats well and then has a loss of appetite or yeah, becomes a bit right. picky, that might be a, a sign that they're feeling the stress as well. And mm-hmm. if an outgoing child becomes withdrawn, if a kind of level, kind of fairly level, temperamentally cheerful child becomes cross or upset more frequently, it's worth bearing in mind that these are all signs that children have of telling us that they're stressed or distressed about things that are going on that they can't yet put into words. Mm. Mm. So cutting them a bit of slack in terms of, you know, standards of behaviour you might normally expect, Um, If you can give them a bit of leeway and talk with them about, you know, how difficult things are. And of course, they might sometimes be feeling upset about it. And of course, they might be feeling cross. And, you know, their teachers aren't here for them to be cross with about all of this, having shut the school. And nor is the government. Mm. But it's not okay to take it out on your little brother. You know, that kind of conversation about... How do we get through this with everybody being kind to each other mm-hmm. can be a useful way of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe if things are getting really difficult between people who are living on top of each other all day and fights are breaking out, it can be really worth having a family meeting, you mm-hmm. know, to sit down and try to talk things through with your children mm-hmm. rather than feeling that somehow you need to be in control and just stopping them kind of from above. Mm. yes be alongside them and maybe talk about a family team that Mm. can be helpful yeah it's really good i mean like this is team us and how are we going to get through yeah i I just can't help but think you know pre-lockdown you would kind of consider well at least you could go out and get a bit of air or people could do and i don't know that you're allowed to exercise and you know and that sort of thing but your comments about you know we are really living on top of each other aren't we and it's you know, people haven't got the space to to be themselves as much as they used to be um um before all of this and it must be so constricting because you can't really even have i, I would imagine some children can't have private conversations with their friends because maybe uh, you know, a brother or sister is around or, you know, they just can't get the space. So they, they try the garden and then maybe it's raining or, you know, and it's just, it must be, you know, quite so traumatic for young people. Yeah, yeah. As yeah, Tess says, to actually, wrong. sorry, yeah, to, to sort of think about it from, yes, yeah, from the another uh, viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, another perspective, exactly. That, yeah, that, yes, they're not playing up because they are, you know, they, they want to play up and they just feel like being naughty. That there is a reason behind that. And, and really, you know, as, as Tess has just said, it, it's, it's no wonder that they are playing up and, and uh, yeah, as you say, acting differently than they normally act because it's such a strange situation. Mm-hmm. But there, there, is, there is things to do and, and help to be had. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the difficult things is that we, we do all cope with life to a certain degree by putting things in boxes. So we mm. have a separate work life and home life. 
And children are just the same. You know, they like to have a separate school life and home life. Lots of, you know, um, our, our, little, our son, when he was a little boy, would not do homework. For him, home was home. He'd leave his homework in his tray every day. (laughs) And uh, we didn't, we did, we just, we understood that for him, he found school quite stressful and he needed that kind of division. And um, a friend of mine put it really well. She said, It's not that I'm working from home, it's that I'm living at work. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we forget. Yeah, for children, they find themselves now living at school. Yes. Mm. But not school with the fun bits. No. It's not the the playing. No, that's right. It's all work, isn't it? You know, and, um, you know, if they're not hitting relevant targets because the teachers are under pressure from the government or the the headmaster, and it's just a rolling, it's, it's the old stone gathering moss as it goes down the hill, isn't it? It's just one thing after another. It's perpetual. It's like, well, we need to to slow this down a little bit on occasion so everyone's got a chance to breathe I think Mm. Mm. one of the things that you can do though to help create some boxes in your home is to try to designate a little area that's school or a little area that is work that's separate Mm. somehow even if it's literally having a different table or desk where you sit in one corner and you do it there and then you close all the books Maybe if you're in the same room, put the books in a cupboard. Mm. Yes. So yeah. that you're not actually looking at it all the time. Yeah, mm. it's just psychological, isn't it? Mm. The fact that, yeah, you know, that's, that's workspace, or, or as you say, that's school space. And now yeah. we're in the rest of the house. You don't have to think about, about school and work, et cetera. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And maybe it, something that you all do as a buffer to mark the end of the school day. A family that yeah. I know, they, what they do is they go out for a little walk and then they come back. Mm. And then it's as if they've come back from school. That's a See, very that's a good, good idea. idea. It's, it's, it's a nice surprising, break, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, just having some sort of routine that that, mm. that just breaks up, uh, yeah, sort of tasks, if you like. You know, your 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 day. Yeah. No, I think that's really, yeah, really helpful. I, and I think those that are generally work from home anyway. Like if you're a small business and you're working from home, or yeah, or you work a few days from home and you have a an office, you you probably appreciate you you going there's a pattern of behavior that you've adopted from when you used to work, you know? So for me, for instance, you know, my outlet was the gym and the gym is closed. So the outlet is, you know, if I don't go out once a day, I start to go a little bit bananas. But if you, if you don't reflect on it very soon, three or four days can pass and you've not even left your house, you know? So um, it's really important to have those kind of things in place. And I love the idea, you know, if you've got children, end of school day take them out you know mm. have a bit of a bit of air a bit of fun uh and come back in and, and start your evening meal or whatever it might well be and have a, yeah and a think that's the end of school it's and, over yeah. now you don't have to think about it anymore mm. rather than sort of oh come on yes you can still carry on and do that that you know module or whatever it is now at, at seven o'clock in the evening yeah. <laughs> you haven't have finished it. carry on you haven't finished yet you know yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and I fun. think holding on to the idea that children really do and can catch up. Yes. I know, yes. I know that there is yeah. an enormous amount of pressure from the government in terms of keeping everybody on target, but actually it's completely unrealistic. And mm. we know there's so much research about the way that our ability to use our cognitive minds 
is utterly dependent on our emotional state. Mm-hmm. So children who, who are feeling completely upskittled, I mean, their worlds have turned upside down mm-hmm. and they're struggling to find their feet and they're mm-hmm. missing friends and everything else. Mm-hmm. And they won't be able to learn in the way that they have been. Mm-hmm. It, it just won't be possible. Mm-hmm. So I think really just having the idea that they're going to do their best and they can do it for as long as they can and then they might need a break is yes. fine. And then actually... Yes. There will be, everybody will be behind when they get back. And particularly children who have not got computers or Wi-Fi or the kind of house environment where you can actually find somewhere to learn and parents who aren't in a position to support, Mm. you know, they're going to be massively behind. Mm. Mm. And Mm. I think for everybody to say, it's been an extraordinary year, it's exceptional you know, this doesn't happen. Hopefully, to goodness, it won't happen again in our lifetimes. So, so actually, when they get back, they will be catching up. But they, that's what happens, and children can when they're feeling yeah. okay again. It it will kind of it will crank up, and they will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that's something you can do to kind of help your children, but also as parents to help yourselves because it, there's a lot of pressure, I think, on parents to be suddenly becoming teachers yes suddenly being yeah. able to multitask furiously in terms of you know either being out at work and supposedly home educating or being in the house working and mm. doing the same having you know younger children or older children who need attention and doing that mm. so um the next bit that I wanted to go on to talk about was actually um the importance of helping yourself you know the way that when you're on a flight and they do, they give you all the instructions for what to do, and it's you put your own oxygen mask on first. Of course, yeah. Yes, put yes. Put your child's on. Mm. And that's because if, if the child hasn't got an adult who's breathing, that child's in trouble. Yeah. Mm. So I think it's about everybody giving themselves permission to really take time to take good care of themselves. Mm, mm, To say, actually, I matter too. And all of this is going on. And to really sit down and think, well, what helps me when I'm up against some stress and difficulty? What helps me unwind and relax? So these will be things that, you know, we're, we're used to doing. But at times when the pressure's up, and there's so much to do, you might find that you're actually missing out the bits that help you cope. Mm. Just the time to like lie in a warm bath with some candles. This is Mm. probably a bit of a girly thing. I was going to say, actually, it doesn't (laughs) really do it to me. I find it all very frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's beautiful, but yeah, yeah, it's it's not not for me, to be fair. Not your thing, not your thing. (laughs) But so but then it might be going into the shed, it might be going oh, out, yes. for now you're talking. it might be talking to a mate, it might be, you know, sitting in the corner with a little beer and having a bit with yourself, mm. you know. All those kinds of things that are very simple mm. can actually make a huge amount of difference. But you might be saying to yourself, well, here we are and I haven't got time to do it. But what I'm saying is, please do try to prioritise it. And if you're in a partnership, you might want to actually consciously make some space for time together mm, mm. Yes. and time to do something that you both enjoy, mm, you know, because mm. you, you want your partnership to survive this. Mm. And one of the things that we know is that when people are on top of each other and they're getting stressed, 
conflict pops up. So understanding that conflict will pop up and actually that's part of life, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, marriage of any kind, you know, whether formal, informal or whatever, it's not a fairy tale, it's flipping hard work. Mm-hmm. And part of that hard work is to be able to be kind to each other and forgive each other even when somebody's just bitten your head off because, you know, <laughs> you've, you've left the pan on the stove or, some, you know, or you've tripped over the cat. You know, something's yes. gone wrong. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, right, let's get, you know, let's get together and get things back on track. Mm-hmm. And maybe limit the amount of news that you're watching. I know there's been a bit of a pressure to keep up with things, but there is so much and a lot of it is so mad and so contradictory but you might want to think about, well, when we get to the weekend, maybe we have a news-free zone, something like that, mm, to just mm. say to yourself, I don't have to have this at me all the time. Mm. Absolutely. Well, I, I know, think that's I, so important. I yeah. think it is. I, I mentioned that to uh, to somebody I know as well only the other day, where mm. because they're at home, they feel that they want to be more informed. But actually, it's just such, you know, it's just full. Um, the news just generally is anyway, just full of uh, bad stories because that's news and yeah. uh, but particularly now with the pandemic is it going right is it going wrong the depths up and mm-hmm. it's just like oh my days you don't need to know it hour by hour day by day seriously it's not really going to change that much just shut it but out this is it. It, it, yeah, yeah you're quite right that point is is that if you can't actually change it then sometimes um, yeah, you're not in control, are you? You're not in control to learn to, to knowing stuff, but then not being able to do anything about it is stress in itself. So yeah, I I, I totally agree to to actually um, you know take time out from looking at the news or perhaps watch it once a day, and that's fine. That's enough, you know. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, even I know watch it once a day. To be fair, I have yeah. a, occasionally every couple of days I'll have a quick look at headlines. Something might flash up on my phone, but I just don't. I don't look at it. And actually, with my son, I much prefer, um, you know, watching uh, Dougie or, <laughs> or something like that. You know, a few little children's programs because they're far more entertaining and funny. And, um, yeah, life's too short. You don't have to keep looking at the news. It ain't going to change that much, even if you watch it every, you know, catch up with it every three days or something, you mm. know. And As they're you say, waiting for vaccinations. I think the older generation are a bit like, well, I've not been called yet, and you know, and, they're always the fingers because obviously they want their freedom. They want to know that they're healthy and they can mm. begin to live their lives again. You know, go out and see friends and you know walk down the street without thinking that they're not going to get the latest round of COVID that's more infectious than the last or the one from Brazil or the one from South Africa. You know, and it's it's too much. It really mm. is too much. Mm. You know, it, it, you will get your vaccination. You will come out of this. So let's all just hang on in there. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, and as you were talking then, Wayne, I was thinking that one one of the things that can be quite helpful is to try to not go with all the speculation. Okay, yes. yes. To try to not engage in it, because mm-hmm. a lot of what the government's telling us is are kind of possibilities, like, oh, lockdown could be shifting by, you know, oh, next I month agree. or the month after, yes. or we'll have this many people vaccinated by then. I don't know what they're doing anyway. It, it, I don't know. Speculation. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, you know, it's not realistic. So if you try to listen for the things that are definite pieces of actual fact, yes, firm, yeah. solid information, those are the bits that then help you know what to do in the here and now. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can kind of leave the idea of long-term plans for now, but 
what can really help is to put something in each day that you can look forward to. Mm. Even if it's something really small, like your favorite snack or your favorite TV program or a piece of music that you love. If you have something in your day that just shines a bit of light, because at the moment, I mean, the weather's been dark, although today it's beautiful, Mm -hmm. but it's been dark and I think people have got pretty gloomy and it's putting something little that helps you have something to look forward to today will really help. And to try to not make plans beyond the next few days with the rest of it, it's like to try and sit loosely with it. Like, Mm. it might happen, it might not. We really don't know. Mm. Let's wait and see. Mm. Until we're given some absolute firm information, like actually this many vaccinations have actually happened, and then we'll know. Mm. But at the moment, we really don't. Mm. Mm. And that's very hard for us all to cope with, because being human, we really don't sit easily with uncertainty. Mm. And I think that's a part of why we're all feeling so tired at the moment. Mm. Mm. It's just the work of trying to deal with this amount of uncertainty. And also why a lot of people aren't sleeping. Yes. So the work of the the Sea Change Trust, people can get hold of you. Tess, how do they get hold of you? How do they get involved? What kind of help and support can you reach out to people? I mean, what help and support is is there in Shropshire? So... um, At the Sea Change Trust, we're offering um, two projects, listening space and talking circles. Um, And these details of these can be found on our website. So if you Google the Sea Change Trust Shrewsbury, we'll pop up. And I think, Wayne, you're putting a link to us on your website, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. If if people uh, pop to our website, that's in tune-radio.co.uk. There'll be uh, links to the um, links to your website and other bits and pieces of information. So yeah, people can come on and, and have a look there. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So if you're um, a parent and you're worried about your child, you can have a free consultation, and then you can have up to six sessions in thinking about how things are going with you and your child, um, or how they're going for you personally and in your relationships. Um, for key workers and teachers. Um, nurses doctors um, if you're feeling the strain and you'd like somebody to talk to um, listening space is there for you too and we can offer work with children and young people as well at the moment because I know young people in particular are feeling really uh, the isolation is a big strain for them yeah Um, so that's what we're doing at the moment um, and we're going to be you know hoping to keep this work going beyond the end of March at the moment that's where we've got funding to Okay. Um, but I think what we all know is that things are going to be getting tougher, actually, once once some of the unlocking happens. We're going to find out some of the things that have been going on and people will feel the strain. You know, people don't get post-traumatic stress symptoms while they're on the battlefield. Never. They get those symptoms no, when no, they've gone home. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, just the thought of um, going back into communities and uh, school environments, uh, our own communities, our workplaces, etc. People will be jumpy, you know. I think, like you mentioned, PTSD, whether it manifests like that, I don't know. But, you know, um, I, I can't see people getting back to, it's going to take a little while to get back to normality and people have to be, to some degree, brave with themselves uh, once they know that the, the landscape is, is, is relatively okay. But you've got to be brave and step out and get back to doing those things again. But you can't help but think, that you know, as you're walking down the street, people will still kind of think, actually, should I be crossing the road? Or 
you know, it's just simple things, but, you know, um, I think you're it's right. I think it's going to roll for some time, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. But the great thing is there is help out there. Yes. Yeah, there, there is a positive to, you know. Um, yes. So we're a very little trust, but there's mm-hmm. also um, help from BEAM, which is the Children's Society drop-in service. Mm-hmm. And I know they're working online at the moment. And that's for, um, you know, children and parents, families can contact BEAM if they've got difficulties as well. Great. And then Young Mind have a very good website with lots of resources and they have a free parent helpline on Young Minds as well. Wonderful. So all, all, that, information, yeah, all yeah, that information yeah. is on our website. So um, please stop by and have a look. But of course, you could look at the Sea Change Trust as well um, and uh, get in contact with Tess directly. Tess, thank you for imparting such wonderful insight and advice and support. It's been, you know, really, really interesting. And and actually, you know, it opens our eyes up because, of course, we're all in our own bubbles. Uh, some people might not, um, particularly, um, you know, I don't know, young professionals, for instance, that may be um, quite happily working from home to some degree and then having a run. Um, these little things we're probably not aware of, you know, that can start to manifest into larger things. So, I mean, to have such, um, uh, such a service on doorstep is, is really admirable. And the work that you do it's is fabulous. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That's fantastic. So thank you so much, Tess. Thank, thank you, you very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And, um, you know, I'm sure think, things are going to change at some point. So everybody hang on in there. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Tess. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. I've been watching you for some time.
Wow, that was a, an amazing cover of uh, Billie Eilish, Ocean Eyes, by Matt Brush, featuring Amy Owen. Absolutely beautiful, very delicate. So, today we're joined by Richard Moreland from RTFQ, who's going to give us some uh, wonderful insight into funding and grants. We know that there's been uh, funding and grants available last year, but there's been new initiatives by the government. Um, and, of course, people are finding their situations, um, well, changeable. You know, some people might have a great idea that they want to bring to fruition, and it's how can they do that? Can they get some assistance with funding and grants? Some people might want to add, add services to their businesses, and some people might be finding themselves in the unfortunate situation where they might be losing their job soon, and it's like, you know, we've got a great idea, but can we bring it to fruition? How do we do that? And one of the people you can speak with is Richard Morland from a company called RTFQ because he deals with grants and funding. Richard, thanks for joining us. Hello. Hi. Hi. Great to be here. Hi, <laughs> Hi Richard. <laughs> so, uh, so Richard, um, tell us a little bit more about what you do, how you do it. How did RTFQ come about? Is it just yourself in the business? Um, enlighten well, us, please. Okay, well, way back when, if anybody remembers the 90s. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if you do, you weren't there. Uh, this thing called PFI came up, the Private Finance Initiative, where uh, Tony Blair's government started building lots and lots of hospitals and schools and prisons and other uh, services, really, and needed to get the funding for it. So the idea was that the private sector would bid for the right to build and operate those facilities. Okay. And to make it fair, there'd be competitive tendering. In other words, you compete, you'd write a bunch of, answer a bunch of exam questions, and you compete to win. And... Great. So everybody goes off at it and actually writing the answers to questions about something that you know deeply, innately is quite difficult. You know, trying to explain, as I'm struggling to do now, exactly what you do to somebody else when it's absolutely in your bloodstream uh, can be difficult. And so uh, the private sector, we worked with a lot of construction companies at the time, uh, looked for people who could help them write these responses and edit them. Mm -hmm. Now, back in the old days, you used to send tons and tons of responses, paper, 30, 40-page answers to each individual question. Things have become more refined now as competitive tendering has evolved. Um, and we started a company reasonably recently. I was a freelance for a long time, a couple of years ago, RTFQ, ATFQ. Uh, light version is read the full question, answer the full question. Oh, wow, right, okay. Um, so our idea is that we sit alongside companies who are bidding and we advise them from the point of looking for the opportunities and searching for them to engaging with the client, uh, getting to understand exactly what their needs are, all the way down to how do you find these invitation documents and these tenders? What kind of questions are they going to ask you? How do you answer them? How do you give them your life story about your business in 400 words? Yeah. Which is always a challenge. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> um, how do you understand what the competition is? How do you price the thing? How do you get it in on time? And um, with our lovely digital age, all the paper's gone, and generally now it's digital uploads yes. <laughs> of lovely PDF documents and various other design things. Mm. So in terms of the business itself, um, the, the core resource is myself and Marjorie McPherson, mm-hmm. uh, who's been working in this area for about 12 years now. Uh, people who know the chamber will know Marjorie. She pops up in all sorts of events around there, and she's brilliant at organizing people to bid because there's one thing writing the stuff and editing it i always think i've got the easy job but actually organizing your resources to get the bid in on time when everybody's got the day job to do yes yes quite a challenge um and marjorie's good at 
being firm but fair on getting their resources together and also helping people express um, graphically some of the things that need to be done, like organization charts, flow diagrams, processes that, again, you do in your, your own business unknowingly, unthinkingly, but actually you've got to articulate that to somebody else. Yes. And as you'll know, Wayne, a picture is uh, worth a thousand words. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it communicates instantly. So, um, yeah, I can understand telling the story um, visually is going to be uh, very important. Yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. So fascinating uh, insight and background. So uh, rolling into the, the, the here and now, funding, dealing with the immediate impact. I mean, uh, the, the, it's a point that you mentioned to us that you'd like to cover. And yeah. um we know that there's grants and funding out there. So if you're running a business, what do you do, Richard? What's the, what? Well, it, I mean, I think now it's becoming a bit clear and it's pretty well publicized that there, there is some immediate hardship funding mm-hmm. um, out there. And there's been a series of, we're aware of the furlough system for employees, but also one-off grants for businesses that have had to close because of the social distancing requirements and the different levels of that that have come in. Um, I won't go into it in massive detail here, but suffice to say, if you go onto uk.gov and, and type in, you know, grant funding, business funding for uh, COVID interruption or something like that, it will pop up pretty much immediately. Mm. There's one-off grants of up to about £9,000, I think, mm. for businesses that have closed down due to lockdown restrictions. Uh, doesn't sound like much, does it? I don't know what you do with £9,000, but it might get you through the next few weeks, if you like, mm. near a small business. Mm. Obviously, there's there's also the business loans. It's not grant funding. It's not um, money falling from the sky, but the the business British Business Bank, which effectively is a network of of loads of other banks that we'll be familiar with from what used to be the High Street, uh, and others outside there as well are offering loans at preferential rates. First year for nothing and no repayment, mm-hmm. but subsequent six years two and a half percent. I think many many people are familiar with that. Mm. Probably jumped on board with it. The key thing there is. Um, if you went small, if you like, at the beginning, because who knew it was going to carry on? Yeah, yeah. COVID was going to carry on for so long. It might be worth having a look at again to see whether you could go back for a second bite at that. Yeah, moment. yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 constraints is that you can't borrow more than twenty five percent of declared turnover in financial twenty nineteen, something like that. Again, check on the website. This isn't mm. gospel. Mm. Um, but one thing I'd say about that is it's still 2.5%. Interest rates are low anyway. So when we say preferential interest rate, yeah, it's a bit better than you probably get from the high street, but not that much better. Mm. And, you know, if you borrow the full 50000 that's £1,250 a year to find an interest there yes. or thereabouts mm. over subsequent years. And that's before you paid the capital back. Yes. Um, we don't want to saddle our kids with student loans, <laughs> For, for similar reasons, you, you've got to be pretty confident about your recovery. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to go large on those kind of things. And I suppose but, it's very difficult, isn't it, for people to actually um, in business to consider a bounce back, a profitable bounce back. I mean, it, depending on what sector you're in, it could actually be, you know, if you're having to redraft the business plan, it, it could be year two, three. You, you might have to consider year five before, you, you know, yeah. towards the end of paying this, that you loan back that before you have got comfortably back to where you feel that the business should be. Yeah. And that's, and I, and I, and I think we've had a, a bit of time, all of us to reconsider what our business models are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, 
we're all looking in the crystal ball and trying to think, well, uh, how, how, how is this changing things? We're not going back to a normal. No. This is this is it now. We've, we've been propelled five years forward into the future by, by, by COVID and I should say Brexit as well. Mm. So on that on that basis, it, it it pays well to think about what the business is going to be and what your markets are going to be for what you do mm. before indebting the business, you know, diving in and borrowing the money against the old model. Because mm. I can't think of many businesses that haven't changed, and some. You know, quite profoundly, I think. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think this is this is a time to reflect. It's a time to kind of decide: Are you? Um, can you be more competitive? You know, um, are there different areas of the market you can facilitate? Are you really hitting your target market? You know, looking at your yeah. your business model, your marketing plan. Are you taking advantage of marketing streams well enough? I think you know you've got to really consider these things. You've got to shake the tree. Um, as we would say in our industry, for those that don't know, I do brand marketing, web, and all that sort of stuff. So I do this day in day out. But it, it's it's really surprising that um, uh, some businesses have services that they don't promote that clearly either to the potential target market. And I've mentioned this 101 times um, in our in, in with people that I speak with is that generally speaking. Um, you know, if you've got only one brochure in your business, for instance, I know brochures and print and, you know, a lot of people don't go down that route anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's similarly with web pages. You know, if you've got uh, one web page that talks about your services, you actually should need to review your services and you need to, a web page and a, a brochure, an independent brochure, a four-page brochure, two-page, whatever it might well be, that talks specifically to the target market for a specific service because having an overarching brochure is not the done thing anymore because people are looking for different points um, when you're reviewing, um, when you're communicating your services. So it's really important that you break your business down and understand your target market who may differ from service to service. So there's lots of, uh, there's lots of things to consider, really. Um, like you say, if you're going to go for that investment, you've got to make sure that you're doing the right thing and you're giving it your best shot. You really have. Mm. No, note to self to go back to the website and have a look at it again now. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> well, um, you know, you can always, to help. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do a free I mean, consultation. Mm. There is, there is a, there's another consideration. I mean, <clears throat> I think for some people it might be time to say, actually, I'm not sure what the future is of the business, mm. you know, post-COVID, which sounds awful, but actually it's quite uplifting because it gives you a chance to run off to the circus, perhaps. Yes. You stop at the right point, yeah. you can say, well, maybe it's time to go on my own. Maybe, maybe it's time to stop this, particularly if, unfortunately, you know, you've been laid off or, or, or work isn't there for you. And there is, a, if, again, if you remember the 80s now, if I'm going mm. back a ways, I do remember thing the called the, <laughs> the Enterprise Allowance Scheme. Remember that one? Oh, uh, yes. yes. Well, yes. guess what? Uh, the, <clears throat> the government have innovatively created what they're calling the New Enterprise Allowance Scheme. Mm-hmm. Great name, um, which works in pretty much the same way. Uh, if you find yourself in a position where you're on university, uh, university universal credit or job sequence allowance, there is some funding in there for the first 26 weeks if you want to start up. Mm. They'll pay you, um, it's up to about £1,200 over 26 weeks, I think, and a bit of other support as well. If you've got a business idea that you've always thought, well, actually, we need to get out of this and maybe use my entrepreneurial skills to get into that. Mm-hmm. Um there's options there as well. So it, it, 
it is a desperate time for some, but it's also an opportunity for a fresh start for many others. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think as well, you know, whilst we're over-reliant, I think, on websites and digital technologies, I still believe in old-fashioned techniques so that if you've got a worthwhile idea, and we would advise this anyway, is you don't necessarily need anything to begin to sell to uh, a target market, unless it's products, of course. But if you're doing a service, if you know of people or businesses that would be interested, just pick the phone up and talk to the relevant people. Um, I think before you kind of consider, oh, you need a, a, an all-singing, all-dancing website and you need several grand to do this online thing and you need online marketing and your Facebook page is going to do this and that. Fundamentally, if your business is going to work, you should be able to pick the phone up, talk with a few people, and get some business. And um, and I think that will speak volumes of yourself personally as well, because I think these days there's an over-reliance on online um, marketing uh, where people, are, uh, uh, you know, work within almost like faceless companies. You know, the brand mm-hmm. is you. If, you know, uh, you're very much part of the company's success. And therefore, if you steer it from the front and you pick the phone up and you say, I've got this great idea for you or i'm doing this service which is applicable to yourself and i'm doing it here and there and you know benefits and you know features of, of that service then that's all you really need to gain some work and it can all start from there you know if you're in that point of being made redundant just just pick the phone up just get a computer and pick the phone up that's all you need to be doing and it is a bit i'm, I'm not great with the phone um and it is a bit fearsome when you're almost cold calling into somebody and doing I'll that. Do your warm contacts uh, first, definitely. It'll give you give you some momentum. It will give you some some kudos because you can say, "Oh, I'm working with you know Bob down the road who who runs mm. you know the garage or you know the accountancy practice or whatever it might well be." You've got to exhaust your contacts, definitely. Sure. But we've all got contacts, definitely. Yeah. Well, and and the soft into this is exactly what we we've all been doing for the past nine months really i know you have wayne is is using the online networks the shropshire chamber mm. and, uh, we're members of a a couple of other networking groups msd uk which is for uh, ethnic minority businesses um where you know people can come together but you can kind of sit back and, and find your time to jump in and, and yes. have your say and build up your confidence in doing that you know over time so when you're ready it's time to to share and and widen your circle and we're all very used to doing it now which is great so it's not mm, mm. it's probably more natural now for, for us to click on a button and, and do this kind of thing <laughs> yeah. than it is to pick up a phone or go around if you can uh, and see mm. somebody so mm. there's positives there that networking always struck me as a you know oh I don't do that I'm not a salesperson it's a bit fearsome but I think it's a pretty relaxed world out there now yeah I think you're right and I think it, that's one of the first things that I, I, I did when I set up having had some experience when I was working for a, for an agency is, uh, is to join networking groups because, as you say, it builds your confidence, it helps you focus on your business, helps you understand where, what your street's weaknesses are and what opportunities are out there, et cetera. And what I would say as well, from my own personal experience, is when I first worked in an agency, I didn't even want to speak with a client. I was so shy. I just wanted to work behind the scenes creating the work that they absolutely loved and were spurring the company on, um, gaining us clients left, right, and centre. I mean, we were, you know, we were doing some really great work. Um, and uh, 
but I was, you know, I used to be invited to a client lunch meeting and I used to just kind of like, mm, I'll let all the others do the talking. And like, I'd be, I'd be getting, <laughs> what, I'd be like, you let other people do the talking? Know, and then I'd be like, oh, I'll meet them, I'll be getting, I'm making too much mess. I'd be like, so self-conscious about, oh, I'm making too much mess. I might say the wrong thing, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But actually it's people do business with people and do yeah. yourself, you know. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't until I set up by myself in the early, well, in 2000, that I started to uh, grow my confidence through networking. You know, mm. essentially that's what it was. Mm. And it, it's the same for you, isn't it, Darren, really? You know, um, you're great at what you do and networking has become part and parcel of, of gaining new contacts. Yeah, I have got better at it. I must admit, though, as Richard said, it is, it, it sounds quite ridiculous, but actually mm. picking a phone up can is kind of, oh, my God, I'm going to speak to a real person. Mm. And as you say, especially nowadays when it, it's like, oh, an email is so much easier. But, yeah, once you actually spoke to somebody, mm. then they're, then they've, they've heard your voice. They, 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 they're going to like you, um, yes. you know. So, yeah, it is getting over that bit of a hurdle. But, uh, but yeah, I think you're quite right to actually t- to remember that we are human beings and that human beings like other human beings and interact with other human beings. It's not a computer talking to a computer. Um, but, yeah, you, you can, um, you know, get business that way. I mean, um, and another sort of uh, thought, as Richard was saying about, yeah, to take this opportunity um, uh, you know sometimes people do go into to new businesses because of something happens and obviously this COVID-19 is a massive, massive. something <laughs> but um uh, and another sort of thought is uh, sort of social enterprises that um you know somebody might think to set up something uh you know on that sort of side of things because uh I don't know whether there's sort of you know funding for that available Richard or um there is, there is. Right. Um, uh, well, here's the thing. The public sector can't do everything for us. It mm-hmm. certainly can't do everything for us when we're so massively in debt and will be for the next however many years as a nation. So mm. so they're definitely reaching out to the to the um, social enterprise sector, so mm-hmm. charities and small community associations uh, and something called community interest companies, which we can talk about in a bit if you want, mm-hmm. to say, well, these smaller locally focused projects or uh, need focused projects central government can't really understand and get down to the nitty-gritty of those it's much better done at a local level yeah and so through through local council funding or through lottery funding or a myriad of charitable trusts that are around there things are really happening on the ground right now and Mm. covid's really spurred this on um that are making sure that people with disabilities or in, in situations of deprivation or just young people who are missing out on their sports, etc. All sorts of things are happening um, very, very quietly behind the scenes. And I know Shropshire's got a fantastic uh, social enterprise sector that, that does thousands of things. We met quite a few people there. Mm-hmm. So the funding is there if you know where to look. Um, right. And getting yourself into a situation where you can go and follow a funding dream, if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people have always wanted to do something, give something back to the community, but not sure where to start. And my starting point is, I would suggest, uh, there's a website called Funding Central. Okay. Uh, it's pretty easy to remember. Just mm-hmm. put a search on Funding Central. And not only does it give you the lay of the land and sort of what's out there, and you can do targeted searches depending on what your interests are, but it'll also talk, talk you through some you know, strategies for getting yourself set up uh, and really how to go about the funding process, um, mm-hmm. which, again, becomes a writing competition and it's very competitive, but it's not as onerous as competitive tendering for a commercial contract. 
Mm. Uh, so that's a great place to start. The other place to think about is this idea of a community interest company. Uh, you can set it up very, very simply. It's to cost you £35. And it's a, it's a limited company, but it's got um, a, a not-for-profit motivation behind it. It's not a charity. Yeah. Uh, and you can pay yourself from it, but you, you'll have a statement of, of intent about what you're going to do within that community interest company. And that then opens the door for you to go and bid for all these funding pots that are about. So, you know, community facilities, sports and recreation, um, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And is that a difficult process to go through? You know, is it a real owner of sort of vast forms? You know, would it put somebody off right from the start or, or would you sort of say they need help or, or is it something that, you know, anybody can do? I, well, uh, anybody can do, I don't know. It depends if you're used to, you know, writing uh, yes. you know, and, and responding. For example, if you've written sales propositions or sales documents before, I think as long as you've got the need of the funder in mind, I think you could definitely have a go at it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's all be useful. To, and, and there isn't rafts of paperwork to do. You right. need to get, for, for a community interest company, for example, the basics, who are you, the accounts of the thing, to make sure that you're, you know, bona fide, if you like. But mm. beyond that, there'll probably be half a dozen or so directed questions that require you to write three or 400 words. Mm-hmm. What's your idea? How much do you want? What are you going to buy with it? Or what, what are you funding? Yeah. Uh, what's the evidence that this is going to have a positive outcome? Mm-hmm. Uh, where have you done it before, if you've done it before? Uh, and a bit of a timeline, perhaps, on you know what's the stages of your project, if you're building a new scout house or something like that. Yeah. How's yeah. it going to work? Have you have you thought it through, et cetera? Mm-hmm. So it's not massive. Um, the pressure, I think, with funding can sometimes come with the turnaround time. Um, funding, uh, from the release of the funding documentation through to when you need to submit, can be quite short. Oh, uh, right. Three, four, five weeks, perhaps. Oh, right. Sounds, so- Right. Sounds like a long time, but actually by the time you've got all your bits of evidence together <laughs> yeah. and thought it yeah. through, <laughs> yeah. the time can soon soon disappear. Mm. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, we've been involved in businesses during COVID that have uh, received funding for all sorts of bits and pieces. Uh, funding for, can you imagine, uh, ex-offenders have been released into the community now. Mm. Well, you're walking out into a world where, let's say if you've done a couple of years inside, you'll be digitally disadvantaged almost immediately. Yes. Because you, you imagine the progress we've had in the past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, all the services that you'd rely on when you were coming out, you know, uh, accommodation services, you might need help with drug and substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably need benefits. Well, DWP offices could have been closed over the mm. past nine months. Mm. Um, accommodation centres around, you, there's a lot of people finding themselves in a homeless situation because of that. So, Social enterprises have stepped in to help in that there to make sure that there's somebody at the gate to meet them, mm. make sure they get into accommodation. Now, the probation service is supposed to do that anyway and does do a pretty good job of that. But COVID's put that extra pressure there that, that social enterprise needs to come up and help with. And that's happening in so many different realms as well. Mm. Mm. I mean, those are things that you just don't consider, you know. Um, but, but there are parts of society that need... Uh, assistance that you just would not think of you know yeah. uh, it's just uh, how the pandemic can affect so many different things that, again you just don't you wouldn't even um um concern your mind but i mean it must be so traumatic to think that you've 
you know, you're trying to taste freedom, but you're going straight back into residential yeah. lockdown. It's, yeah. it's yeah. crazy. And in truth, uh, you know, some some of that uh, some of that number of people who come out will think, well, actually, the best place for me is maybe to go back into custody mm. yeah. because it's warm. I'm getting three meals a day, and and guess what? The reoffending rate will inevitably there's a risk anyway that it'll it'll, it'll go up because people want to get back in. Mm. Uh, you know, in other realms as well, think about. Um, uh, older age groups that meet in a community centre that can't do that right now. How do they keep together? So funding for not just some tablets or devices so they can do this, what we're doing now with the Zoom, mm-hmm. but also that they know how to use those devices might be the first time. Yes, yes. They've yeah. had a digital device in their hands. Um, so how does somebody sort of find out about a community interest company what you know do they just put it on google and, and i'm afraid the answer to all of these <laughs> questions is go look on google um okay fair enough gov.uk gov. are really good actually they do it's okay. a very straightforward setup right what i'd say is just have a think uh, if you're doing it with with, with friends or, or colleagues or family have mm-hmm. a think about exactly what the aims of your community interest company would be yep sketch it out on a piece of a4 because you'll need to write that foundation statement if you like as yes. part of your application. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the process is reasonably straightforward, I think, to set up a CIC. Mm-hmm. Well, that um, could be a real, you know, good good thought for, for you know, a lot of people out there, yeah, really, yeah. in these Just times. Decide what the need is. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the, uh, the, the need is genuine. Um, and, if, you know, there's plenty of need out there. Mm. And, and then go for it, I'd say. Mm. Particularly if you've got more time on your hands now than you have before. Mm. Well, exactly. I mean, after all, there are, I mean, if there are any positives to, to come out of this situation, I do think that the community, um, you know, projects and a community, a feeling of community really has risen, you know, um, that the people are far more uh, likely to want to help on our, as you say, they've got, you know, some people got more time on their hands. Yeah, to, to really think about what they would like to do to as well as the idea of be running a, you know, a different business and actually you know do their hearts good you know do you do your soul good to be to be you know helping people you know not not necessarily just oh where's my business how, how much money can I make to, you know to look after myself but to be able to mm. um you know mm. help other people can uh, you know as I say good for your soul so, it's interesting it's interesting as well Darren um you know when you speak with um some business owners i mean uh, me personally they do so much work on the side from a charity perspective because they're they feel that they want to give back anyway mm-hmm. and um you know and maybe some of those business owners are actually thinking well rather than just giving back maybe i could actually innovate a little bit more yeah and yeah. work closely or develop something mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i think it, the, the time has allowed us all to have a think about what we're doing and can we do things better and get involved in other ways it's really yeah. really uh, interesting how and one other thing as well is um we were talking with um tess from the sea change trust and she mentioned post-traumatic stress disorder so it's not just what's happening now it's when we come out the other side of it i would imagine from a social enterprise perspective or a cic or whatever it, it might be that we actually we're going to need a lot of support in society to get us through what is going to come on the other side of this from young people, children, um, families, parents, um, workplaces. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hit every part of society, hasn't yeah. it? So um, there'll, be, there'll be issues that we can't even um, comprehend probably currently that are going to manifest and we're going to need some assistance with. 
Yeah, I mean, Wayne, there's some there's some great organisations that are popping up now addressing exactly what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so young learners, for example, I can't imagine. You think, um, oh, great, I don't have to do my GCSEs, but actually, oh, no, I didn't do my GCSEs yeah. and I've lost, yeah. I've lost the practice. It's like an athlete, isn't it? You, you, you're not learning every day mm-hmm. you know, for, for your 10 weeks terms. You lose the skills of, of learning and sitting down yeah. and focusing and concentrating, et cetera. Uh, you don't maybe even classify yourself as a learner anymore because you've been so out of it. I know a lot of kids doing some hard work at home, but nothing nothing really replaces the idea of mm. you know tuition, if you like, and direction yeah. and, uh, and understanding. Mm. So getting young people back on board with that and self-directed learning, getting them to have a passion for still going off to further education when you might think, well, what's the point now? Yeah. yeah. Those uh, undergraduates who went up in, in October and thought, oh, you know, I'm being it's like, like being back in my bedroom at home again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I might as well have stayed there. Yeah, um, yeah th- th- there's there's lots to do. There's there's lots to to focus on in terms of well-being. But mm-hmm. I'm pleased to say that so far uh, the third sector has responded really really well, and there are funding pots out there to start to help. Mm. We'll have to see how things progress because it's going to get tougher. I know charities mm. have have had a tough time. Mm. Um, and another sort of area, um, you know, you were saying obviously about uh, people, you know, tendering for jobs. Uh, it's, you know, that might be something that that you know small companies might might have never even considered before. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, I mean, you were saying that you know that is what you you. you do uh yeah that and the funding it, yeah yeah uh again is is you know um bidding for public contracts is that a a, a diff it's a difficult thing to be doing you know um, should, should say small businesses uh, you know if they've never done it before is this the time to do it or it it i've got to be careful what i say it's it's not the easiest thing in the world to do but it can be incredibly rewarding and the climate right. around uh, bidding for small business is changing because uh, government set itself a target of using small to medium-sized enterprises much, much more in the coming years yeah. to, to to provide public services. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking towards a third of spend by next year, within which sounds like an enormous amount, doesn't it? Mm. For SMEs, either directly or through the supply chain of other larger contractors. Right, but still, yeah. there's a push. There's an element within every bid where uh, local government and national government is supposed to encourage SMEs to get into the supply chain. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's a green paper out that came out uh, December, I think, that's supposed to be revolutionising or how tendering is being done. It's taking away a lot of excessive regulation in there and excessive hurdles that you have to overcome. Mm-hmm. It's not, we're not there yet, but I would hope towards the end of the year or maybe into next year, uh, some of those recommendations would have been put into law and it makes things a bit easier. But mm-hmm. right now, uh, if you want to go looking, then once again, uk.gov mm-hmm. launched a new site, <laughs> a kind of post-Brexit site. We used to have this thing called Contracts Finder, where we used to go for public sector contracts. Uh, and that was all tied into EU opportunities because under the old uh, membership, Every opportunity that we publish over a certain volume, over a certain amount, which is about twenty grand ish, had to be advertised in the EU as well because of um, you know, level playing field. So the, the new form of contracts finder is now called Find a Tender. 
Right. And if you put that into your search engine. Find a tender, yeah. Find a tender. And uh, opportunities, I think over £118,000 will be on there. I think Contracts Finder will still run in the background until it exhausts all the opportunities there as well. Mm. So it's worth looking at both Mm. for opportunities. It's a search engine. So you put in what you're looking for. For example, it's a cleaning contract in the West Midlands. Yep. Uh, at a certain value, and it will drill down and show you the upcoming tenders that you can right. go for there. Right, really useful. Mm. Once again, t- t- tendering requires a, a little bit of a paper exercise, mm-hmm. uh, but no more so than you would do, I think, in your business anyway, where you're looking at uh, the performance of your business, your business plan, uh, your uh, management accounts, for example, if you're a small business, plus exactly what you do in your method statements and how you go, go about doing things. Hmm. fascinating so there's lots of opportunities still out there um you know particularly if a a company's diversifying or they do want to actually engage with uh, the tendering process i mean could people contact yourself personally to work with to help them with that richard or always happy to talk to Shropshire businesses about the journey um small businesses about is bidding for me is it not for me Mm -hmm. always happy to give them a framework to look at the the big time saver and the money saver in bidding is the bid, no bid decision. We can get really excited saying, oh, we do that. We could do that. Let's go and bid for that one. Yeah. But actually, when you get down into the detail of the requirement, understanding exactly what the client needs, maybe that one is not for you. Or maybe mm. there's a competitor out there that's actually got it pretty much sewn up. Mm-hmm. So therefore, mm-hmm. that's opportunity is not for you. Mm. But it's, it's good to talk to people to, to learn exactly what their aspirations are and what the opportunities are. And maybe find different routes in to making a relationship with the client. Mm, mm. Um, sometimes bidding's not enough. Just filling in the paperwork is not enough. Sometimes you've actually got to make yourself known, if you like, this to is the back, local government client. Yeah, is, is that almost back to the you know the, the pick the phone up or, or kind of make some kind of contact? You know, like on LinkedIn or or you know another way. As you say, it's it's again human to human. If they know you, yeah. well, they're more likely to think, oh yeah, yeah. Mm. They, they've got to run that company that we need that that could be they could be the ones for us yeah absolutely mm. but again I, I know certainly through contracts finder and telford for example has its own website with opportunities on there mm-hmm. they do advertise for support contracts to help them certainly in social care in for example cleaning and managing schools and those kind of things yeah um there are contracts out there and they do come up for renewal there's also this idea of a framework contract as well that you may have come across where where government or local government says, well, we're not sure exactly who we want right now, but if we had a stable of six or eight trusted proven providers, then every time we do want something over the next five or eight years, we could just put a mini tender out, Mm. ask them some very specific questions, very, very quick turnaround bidding process, and then we can go and select the best value Mm. uh, bidder there. So you're always in with the shout, if you like, because you're Mm. pre-qualified, but the client then picks who they need for the individual project or job they've got within Mm. a framework Mm. i suppose the interesting thing there as well is if you're looking at um uh, your your company dynamic and whether you want to get involved with uh competitive tendering i think some people probably think well you know how are they how is a decision made you know um i know that everyone's going to put every company is going to put the best information in that they can. But is this really an exercise on final price? Or is this an exercise in, you know, what is around 
the decision making process. It can't seriously, it can't just come down to who is the best priced. Presumably, they would go more middle ground. You know, they're not going to go high. They're going to go low. But then, is that is there any kind of influencing factor there, or is that just what we consider? Oh, they're just going to select someone that they know who's putting in a you know Bob who's putting the price of you know that he has because that's what they're looking for. How I think that any... is a genuine fear. That's right, a genuine yeah. fear, isn't it? If, if, if you're starting out in bidding, but thankfully there are public procurement regulations. Um, yeah. So decisions are made on the basis, or were made on the basis, up until certainly this year, of most economically advantageous tender which is a nice way of saying best value. So you've got to consider yeah. the quality of what you're being offered as mm-hmm. well as the price. Mm-hmm. The idea being that uh, you can't just go in and, and lowball a bid, put a, a nice base you know, a price in with, with no profit, maybe even bid it at a loss just mm-hmm. to go and win the contract. So that's a little bit out because what you'll have is a, a quality submission and a commercial submission, and there'll be a weighting to the two. Mm-hmm. So 60-40 in favour of quality or even 70-30 we've seen in the past as well. Mm-hmm. So, yes, price is obviously very, very important, but it can't all be on price. Otherwise, the public sector isn't getting the best value yes. uh, for money. And one, actually, we, I won't go into the details of it. One, we just looked at the results of today, uh, the bidder had the best price. A bidder had a bit, the best price, but their quality score wasn't sufficient to overcome um, the higher quality of another bidder. Yeah. So even if you went yeah. in at the lowest price, mm. doesn't always mean you're going to win it. That's, re- the- that's really great information because I think a lot of people, you know, that aren't you know seasoned business pros or are not involved with it or don't know any other business that's involved with it will probably consider, well, hang on a minute, is, is it really worth my time? Because surely they're just after this and that and maybe they want to do business with the person they know or they've used before or, you know, how genuine is the level playing field? Is it level? So it's really interesting to know, you know, the scoring on quality, not just on price. Yeah. You've got, you've got to hit the mark on, on the quality of your offer, but also fundamentals, health and safety, Hmm. environmental performance. And even in a small business, just the little things that you do to show that you're conscious of that. Uh, I've got to say before, actually 10% of all public sector bids will be judged on social value. What's your contribution back? Are you using the Kickstart scheme to hire apprentices? Um, have you, you just on a base level, maybe a couple of days each year of your employees to go do, go, sorry, excuse me, and they go and do something for their community? Mm-hmm. That right. kind of giving back yeah. side of social value oh, as that. well. Yeah, 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 that's really important. Um, yeah. Now, 10% of a quality score is quite a chunk. Yes. Um, so it's definitely worth getting ducks in a row to say, well, what advantage can we create there? You know, yeah. thing. We like giving back, don't we? So let's make a virtue of that and make sure we capture all the evidence of what we do in our business because mm-hmm. that will help in our tendering scores. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's all sorts of factors that need to be considered and they have to be marked fairly because there is an appeals process. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you feel that, hang on, this has just gone to the lowest price tender and we had a much better quality submission, mm-hmm. there is a degree of openness about, okay, let's let's have a look at these results and see whether they're absolutely fair. And mm-hmm. generally, they, they, they are fair. Mm-hmm. They have to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we need to be seen to be spending public money properly. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Richard. Uh, Thank you, Richard. Awesome, mate. Exactly. So some positivity that there is funding out there, um, that perhaps it is time to think of um, changing your, your business, perhaps completely going in a you know, new direction. Um, and say the place to go is the government um, website, 
but also Funding Central. Uh, and other links will be on the Intune website and our Facebook page. Is this correct, Wayne? Yes, absolutely. So if people absolutely. go to intune-radio.co.uk, uh, they'll see Richard. Uh, we'll have a nice picture of Richard there, a link to his website, and also links to the um, uh, to uh, relevant uh, streams such as the Kickstart scheme, the New Enterprise Allowance scheme, and the government site, etc. Mm-hmm. So um, people can jump on from there, and of course they can contact or find Richard direct. You know, RTFQ search. Uh, he's structure based, uh, but there'll be a link to his website and our website too. That's great. Lovely. Thank you so much, Richard. That has been that has been amazing great. insight. Thank you so much, Richard, for Thank sparing you. the time to come on board. And uh, we'll chat to you again soon. Cheerio. Great. Intune Radio have a host of sponsorship and advertising packages available. Enterprises start from only £50. So if you want to get your business in front of our listeners, then by all means, contact info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website. That's intune-radio.co.uk. So that was Richard. Um, If you want some more information uh, on any of the subjects that he mentioned about the funding, etc., we'll have some links on our website, which is intune-radio.co.uk, or you can go to Richard Direct at um, rtfq.com. Wonderful. And, you know, following on from um, Richard's uh, amazing advice, a little while ago, we caught up with one of our experts, uh, Rob Tolley, and we've got a number of experts. Again, if you go to our website, intune-radio.co.uk, you can see that we work with a number of local experts, and they provide us some uh, amazing insights and tips, etc. And Rob's tip really was about um, making sure you've got a good, solid, all-encompassing sales strategy um, when you're setting up in business and when actually you're looking at diversifying and looking at different, different target markets. So um, this was a little uh, conversation that we had a month or so ago. I hope it helps. Hi, Rob. Hi, Hi Wayne. Hi, Darren. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, we're all good, thank you. Thanks for joining us, E2 Radio. Um, You're our telecoms expert. Thank you. And you run a company called Fluid NS. Is that correct? Fluid Fluid Network Solutions, that stands for, yes. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And um, so telecoms, the world of telecoms, how did you find yourself uh, in the telecoms industry, if you don't mind me asking. No, I don't mind at all. Um, It's a strange one, actually. I started in telecoms uh, 20-odd years ago. Um, I was actually doing door-to-door selling cable TV in Telford uh, some years ago. And um, that is an experience in itself. I could write a book just after one week in that job. But uh, (laughs) that's for another day. And um, the guy who who was my boss at the time moved to a franchise in Southend for United Artists, which eventually came TeleWest. And it was cable cable telephone, basically. Um, So I was approached to go down there and be their first salesperson in that franchise, which I did. And uh, it just went on from there. And uh, I sort of grew through the pack and all that type of stuff and Mm -hmm. expanded. And uh, eventually... um, became a sales director for a large uh, international company, telecoms company. Right. Um, cool. Yeah, so yeah, so I started at the bottom, worked my way to the top, and it meant commuting to London every day, which I didn't, uh, I didn't enjoy. So therefore, mm-hmm. I set up uh, Fluid Network Solutions in 2003. 
And wow. here we are today, 17 years on. Fantastic. Yeah. It's interesting the number of people who are in, uh, you know, perhaps working for a big company and, you know, they're, 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 you know, doing fine. But but really, there's something like you saying about having to commute that they start thinking, hang on a minute, what do I really want? I like my job or, you know, I'm good yeah. at my job. I might be getting paid well or whatever. But, um, you know, there's a reason why people set up their businesses and quite often it is that they might be perfectly fine where they are. But it's that sort of, well, well, actually, this is my life. Do I really want to spend it commuting to London? And mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It, for me, it was, uh, I was traveling most of the day, then working, then coming home and going to bed. Um, yeah. And at weekends, yeah. I was just pretty much asleep all weekend, which was mm. um, not how I wanted to spend the rest of my life. So I thought there's got to be a better way than doing this, um, which is why I set up Fluid. And, you know, yeah. it's, uh, you know, I've just, I've always said that we're going to be ethical. We're going to, what you see is what you get. And that's how it is. And I won't change from that. Mm. Brilliant. Wonderful. Good, good, good. So, uh, you know, um, we're all giving our ideas. Um, what is our massive tip? You know, if you were setting up, launching a business, I, I think a long commute could be <laughs> one yeah. of the reasons why you want to set up a business. But, uh, you know, the the way the economy is and the, and the landscape is currently out there, you know, people have different reasons, motivations. Maybe they've got a hobby and they want to kind of do that as a profession um we're all kind of giving our kind of big hints and tips a big tip really if you're launching a business and i believe you have one as well i do i think really i have to make a few assumptions here I, i'm yes. making the assumption that you know you've already got a great product um you've already got processes in place to fulfill the the, the current you know order book and things like that mm-hmm. um, but the most important thing one of the most important things for me certainly is to have a good sales strategy Mm-hmm. You yeah. need to know where the sales are coming from. It doesn't matter whether you are selling widgets, whether you're a service industry, or you've got a niche market. Unless you know where the next sale is coming from, you don't have a business. We all want more sales. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so I think you've got to design a strategy uh, which works for your business. Um, every business needs one because, without, as I said, without sales, you're not going to you're not going to grow, and mm-hmm. uh, without growth, you're not going to have a business. So there's some of the things you need to to think about when you're writing your strategy um, is what's your target market. You need to understand what your target market is, mm-hmm. um, and you need to as narrow it down as much as you possibly can because the more precise you are, um, the more the better it's going to be. Yes. Um, think about think about the margins that you're looking for. Now you may decide that you want to go for two or three different markets, and you may also decide that. Uh, different margins for different target markets. That's fine. You just need to know. Put it down. Write it down. Write out your pricing strategy. You just need to know. All these things need to be in place. Think about inbound and outbound marketing. How are you going to do that? What's it all about? And really, how are you going to generate leads? It's all about generating generating leads. Mm-hmm. Your prospect list. I say to everybody, your prospect list is so key. Mm-hmm. If you've got a great prospect list, your sales have come from that. Mm. But keep that, keep focus on the on the prospect list. Interesting. So I think the thing for me that really sticks out um, is obviously understanding your target market because obviously in the world of brand and web and, and so on, we, we go to the extent of understanding where someone would shop, understanding the kind of lifestyle that they lead, maybe the car that they would drive. And we, we use all of these kind of um, signposts, if you like, to get an idea of what kind of um, visual information someone will respond to. 
maybe what kind of price bracket they're in as well. Because there's also that kind of mentality, isn't there? In you know, uh, I don't know if you you've come across this in terms of what you what you charge. You know, um, should I be charging this for my service? Where you we refer to your your margins and so on. You know, where do you stand in the marketplace against your competitors, and why should you charge the same or more or less than a competitor? You're absolutely right. And what you've got to understand is you've got to you've got to stick to your guns. You've got to stick yeah. to your guns. Somebody's always going to beat you on price. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. So you've got to prove that you are better than them. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you know, the product you're providing might be exactly the same, but it's the backup, the, the service you can provide after that. It's massively important. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get this across in your, in your marketing material, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, let people know. You know, unless, unless people know what you're selling and the, the service that you provide, you're not going to get the sale. It's as simple as that. Really and yeah, your point about the fact that, um, you know, you should never um, sell on price because as you say, yeah, okay, you might be selling the same product, but you've got to show that the the reason you charge what you charge is because uh, of the great service you're going to give. You're going to be on time. You're going to be there when, the, when a problem happens. Um, you've got to show how much better you are for the money rather than saying, uh, oh, okay, I can do it for less. Absolutely, Just, don't. You know, Absolutely. Don't, you know, going on, on price is, is never going to be a winner. And also you were saying about, um, you know, that you need to, to work out your pricing. You really do have to do it in a very realistic way. You know, if you think, well, I've got this product and uh, I think I could sell it at, you know, whatever, um, you've got to think about how much money does it actually cost you how many hours is it going to take you to provide that product to somebody and you've got to um you know price it accordingly i think especially with small businesses it's very easy to to think oh well i don't want to don't want to be too expensive but the bottom line is you you're doing it to make you know a, a business you know you have got to make a profit you've got to actually have a living wage yes. um and i do think that uh it's to say especially for small like one-man band businesses it's very easy to, to sort of go oh, well i won't charge too much but you've you've got to keep an eye on a realistic pricing in your industry what people are willing to pay uh, and also that, that you need to charge them Absolutely. You know, we're all in business to make money. You know, mm. we're, not here, we're not here to rip people off, but we're in business to make money. You know, and let's face it, SMEs are the lifeblood of, of, this, of the UK without a doubt. Mm. So don't be embarrassed, but just make sure that you've got the, you know, you've got the pricing absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's key. That you, and you stick to your guns. As I said, mm. somebody will always come in and, 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 you know, be cheaper than you. But as long as you provide a better service, my customers, you know, know that they can phone me at, at pretty much any time of day. And they do. They often do. <laughs> um, you know, even though we've got a, a support team, they can contact, but they, they still come to me for, for whatever reason. I, I receive phone calls on a Sunday and all sorts. Um, obviously, I pass them back to the team. But, <laughs> you know, but the thing is, what the most important thing point there is that they know that they can contact me. And that's massively important, certainly to... Yep. to it's value isn't it yeah Yeah, i think you know people's um target markets are going to be different you know um depending what business and and sector you're in like with ours for instance if someone is to for for instance leave a design consultancy as long as they've got an apple mac and adobe software they can pretty much sell by themselves and in theory do things a lot cheaper than a design consultancy would do because they haven't got the bricks and mortar and stuff Mm -hmm. but um there's a there's a life kind of cycle to that kind of business where you would kind of consider that 
after a period of time, if you're not making relevant finance through the work that you're doing, you're always going to be stuck doing the work that you're doing. And that may suit some people, but it might not suit others, particularly if they, if they do have ambition to grow and have a, a studio and, and, and different things. You know, there are things that need to be invested in. So you're absolutely right, you know, to consider what you're selling and, um, and who to is incredibly important. Absolutely. You, you, you've got to know your market. You really have. I mean, some of the things I think about when, I, when you're writing a strategy, you, you've got to consider, you know, what are the challenges? Because there are going to be risks, you know, without a doubt. So you've got to think, well, is that, is that you'll be able to measure it. So you need so you can lessen the risk. So if you are marketing or, or writing your strategy, you need to think about, right, how much time am I going to invest in it? What's the, what resources am I going to throw at it? What's the cost? Is this going to be a short-term uh, or a long-term uh, strategy you know mm-hmm. think about things like that all the time but you must write it down you must write it down because if you write it down then you can start to look at what's working and what's not and it's got to be measurable you've got to be able to measure what you, you know what you're marketing because that by, by being able to measure it um enables you to look at things where you you could be spending 80 percent of the your work time on something that's not working it's only bringing 20 percent of the revenue in mm-hmm. therefore you, if you've got it down and you've got, you know, key performance indicators there in front of you, you can monitor it. You can know. Well, you can change your strategy, you know. You can mm-hmm. change your thinking. So it's massively important. You've got to write it down and work to it. And one of the things I would also say is it, it's, it's got to be for everybody. Everybody in the organization has got to be on board with this. They've yeah. got to be. Yeah. Because if they're not, there's, there's a weak link somewhere. And you don't want that. Everybody's got to be, you know, pulling in the right direction, singing from the same hymn sheet, all these, mm-hmm, all, mm-hmm. These, cliche, uh, yeah, all these, yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but the fact of the matter is you've all got to be on board with it. You've got to be on board with it. I think that's very, that's very true. I, I, you know, again, you know, for, I can only comment from my own experience working with large businesses and SMEs. You know, sometimes when we're working through a brand and marketing project, you'll be surprised what comes from, as we would say, shaking the tree, where um, members of staff probably haven't contributed previously to marketing and sales efforts, but they're the ones at the coalface, so to speak, and they probably hold a lot of information that maybe the, the guys further up the chain, the management, haven't asked or listened to previously and could solve a lot of issues. So uh, I went through this process with one large company and they were incredibly surprised how their own staff members could help revolutionize their sales strategies. And it became very evident that they just didn't have relevant information at the fingertips and, and you know, uh, the perceived values weren't there and the work needed to be done in certain ways. Um, so it really influenced how they were going to market the company as much as, you know, the sales strategy. So it's really, really important. Massively important. Massively important. I think, I think the good thing about getting everybody on board is when you're putting these strategies together, talk to everybody because, you know, two heads are better than one and all that type of thing. Mm. And it, it doesn't matter other people because the people that you're talking to, your staff are also effectively, they're, they're very similar to your customers. So they'll know what works for them. And they may say, well, that doesn't work for me. But that does. Mm-hmm. And it, you just put it all together. So it's a matter of working as, I think it has to be a team effort. I'm very much into team efforts anyway. Um, so I think team effort starts 
from the very beginning. So when you're putting a strategy together, work with people that, that's going to help you, that's going to support you all the way through. Mm-hmm. Massively important, I believe. Let's face it, you know, as I said before, if you don't know where the next sale is coming from, you haven't got a business. So we all want more business. We all need more business. And um, so it's massively important to, to, to know where the, where the business is going to come from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and again, just from my own experience, working with companies of different sizes, there's, there are companies that, you know, to actually attain their sales conversion kind of means that if they're not prospecting two years previous, they don't get the sale in two years' time. Because the uh, the prospecting takes so long, whereas with some businesses, you know, the, the the turnaround can be within a few weeks or a few days or a month or two. So it's important to kind of understand that kind of turnover, really, because some of your services they might be longer burns, if you like. You might have to prospect a, a, a lot sooner to get the the payoff further down the line. Absolutely. So understanding the market is key. And a perfect example of that is we do a lot of NHS um, telephony. Mm-hmm. And to, for them to make a decision can take months. It can take absolutely months. And it doesn't matter how much you can save them at times. They still take a long time to make a decision. Yes. When you're talking to more, I'm going to be careful what I'm saying here, but more modern type organizations, um, <laughs> they'll, they'll look at something and say, hang on a sec, that's exactly what we're looking for. And even though it's exactly what the NHS organization is looking for, it's, it's a different mentality. It's a yes. totally different mentality. So, like, you know, right now, right now, or mm-hmm. NHS, well, let's just, let's give it some thought. Let's think mm-hmm. about it. So you've got, to, you've got to strike a balance. You've got to know your market. So if your prospect list is completely NHS and you know they're going to take two or three months to make a decision at best, then that has to reflect in your prospect list. If you, on the other hand, you're dealing with lots of modern organisations uh, that are, you know tend to make decisions pretty much straight away, you, you, your prospect list doesn't have to be the same. It has to be very mm. so. Ideally, a mixture of both is perfect. Mm. But mm. the key thing is, as I said, start from the very beginning. Is know your market, learn about your market, do the research on your market mm. uh, to understand how they make decisions, how long it takes. All massively important to part to the a part of the uh, the sales strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And also I was just going to add and then be honest with yourself. I think whether you're in a small business or you're you're in a a company with a team um, is to, yeah, be honest with yourself. Don't sort of, uh, um, how shall I put it, Uh, imagine that the the, the sort of the data you're getting is is not right. Like you were saying about monitoring things. If you monitor it and you look at it and you see that it's showing whatever it's showing, uh, th- then take that on board. You know, you've actually got to, um, you've got to act on the information you've got. You know, you, you uh, yeah, be, say be honest with yourself, really. You know, if you think, um, uh, you know, that, that say you're, you're where you're getting your leads from, where you're going to get where your potential market is, well, if it, perhaps if it isn't there, perhaps you find out that it's not actually where you think it is. Mm. Listen to that, you know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The information is there. Don't ignore it. It's there. Exactly. Yeah. It's and I there. think it's That's... quite easy. If you don't want to see it, you might go, oh, well, I'm not really going to believe that. But, yeah. you know, you have to. You have to be realistic. You have to be honest mm-hmm. with yourself. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the objective of monitoring what you're doing. You know, yeah. you're getting the information. You choose what, you know, you choose to do the right thing with that information. Surely that's, that's the objective, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I do see it where it doesn't happen always like that at times, which is, uh, which is a worry. 
but the, but the information's there. Use that information for what it's designed for and what you wanted to get that information for in the first place. Yeah. That's yeah. what it's there for. Wonderful. Rob, as ever, you're an absolute gents, an expert in telecoms. Uh, uh-huh. So there's Rob Tolley, Fluid Network Solutions. That's fluidns.co.uk. Um, you can find out more about Rob and his business there. And, of course, you can contact Rob through the Intune uh, website. That's intune-radio.co.uk. And you can send us an email as well, info at intune-radio.co.uk. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Lovely to hear from you and hear from you again soon. God bless, guys. Really appreciate your help. Thank Thanks you very much. much Take Rob. care. God great. bless. Cheers. Cheers, Bye. Bye. Intune Radio have a host of sponsorship and advertising packages available. Enterprises start from only £50. So if you want to get your business in front of our listeners, then by all means contact info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website. That's intune-radio.co.uk. Darren, another amazing show. Thanks for joining me. That's fine. Enjoyed it. <laughs> and basically, we've got some ideas, haven't we, for our next show? And our next show is all about love. Yes, we thought that, um, that yeah, why not? Let's have a bit of positivity and love in the room, as it were. So uh, if you are a local band and you have got broadcastable music about, well, hopefully about love and being Yeah, uh, love and friendship and uh, uh, romance and, you know, um, huggy-buggy stuff. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Then do let us know because that would be amazing to feature on the show. And also we're after DJs as well. So if you're a DJ, a club DJ, you're putting some tracks together, mixes, scratching, you know, whatever, whether it's hip-hop or whether it's breakbeat, electro, funk, whatever it might well be, we'd love to hear from you also. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah if you're a band a musician love is the theme so if you've got something that you've recorded or something that you want us to listen to and to feature please get in contact in the usual ways that's intune-radio.co.uk uh, you can send uh, an email to us at info at intune-radio.co.uk and you can find us on facebook as well send us a message via messenger uh, we're fairly responsive and we'd love to hear from you We would indeed. And on that note, we shall finish the show with a local artist. This is Tiny Towers Music, um, and he's going to play us out with Love, Sweet Love. Wonderful. I've seen the light. I don't doubt it. I won't fight it. I don't know what it is for. But I felt it when I passed out on the lawn And I was dazzled by the beauty of her skin And I'll tell you over and over and over and over I don't even drink that much But I tell you when my heart was touched It was beautiful in its own way But if I want more I'll have to pay Was it love, love, love? It felt like love, sweet We feel it 
when we lie down on the lawn And I was dazzled by the beauty of her skin And I'll tell